Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. football welcome to bink at night welcome back to bink at night jay binkley chris uno cero ask the text line a question i asked chris the question too is derrick henry the most important non-quarterback that you should play this year someone says tj Watt. listen tj watts incredible the turnovers he caused he's got seven sacks already this season but He's not as important to the Steelers as what Derrick Henry is no, the Titans. No, no, He's a good player, but he's not Derrick Henry. I, I don't think – I don't I, – I really – and I really like T.J. Watt, too. He's, he's exceptional. I can't imagine how – But, like, what people, we do with him, a talent people like him. still move the ball on the Steelers. <laughs> even though even though T.J. Watt – I mean, uh, uh, yeah. He's, they run away from him. Yeah, even though he's he's great, they can you – can, you can work around someone like him. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not Aaron Do- – he's great, but he's not Aaron Donald great. Another guy I really like is Bud Dupree. You know, he's only played in three games this year, but man, remember he was – he was kind of the reason the Steelers' defense collapsed last year when he got hurt. Well, yeah, it went, yeah, losing him, yeah, their defense fell he apart. He signed to Tennessee, and it's like, okay, Tennessee's defense went from 28th to 24th. Like, it's no great shakes <laughs> this defense. They went a whole four rankings there. Well, I mean, you look at the Titans up and down. I mean, scoring defense, they're 24th. They give up 26.8 points a game. Pass defense, they're 24th. Run defense, they're ninth. They're actually better in run defense, uh, a lot better than they are against the pass. I know this kind of works against my argument with with um, what's his name, uh, Aaron Donald. But like you remember in 2018, the Chiefs had like I mean, uh, Chris Jones was like 15 and a half sacks. You had what was it, 13 from D Ford? Like so they they had like two of the best pass rushers from a sack standpoint, and the defense was like one of if not the worst NFL in football that year. So like maybe a pass rusher isn't as important as, as we think it is. Just when you look at when you look at the, the instance with the Chiefs in 2018. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. The Titans, 13 sacks on the season. 21 leads the league. The Bears and the Vikings lead the league in sacks. So how important is sacks when yeah, the Bears and Vikings lead those, the category? Those teams aren't aren't at all any in any way, shape, or form contenders. The Chiefs are trying, though. They're ninth in the NFL in blitz percentage. 68 blitzes, ninth in the NFL. They are trying. They're just not getting to the quarterback. One of the things the Chiefs are doing, and that's exceptional on third down, 60% clip. The next closest to them is the Bills at 50%. Like at third down, the Chiefs are deadly. Deadly. And you look at the third down percentage of the Titans. They're 15th in the NFL. 45% of the time they give up a first down when it's third down. As I said, the Chiefs are number one in the NFL in third downs. Keeps the drives moving. Here was Andy Reid. Really like talking about that third down percentage. Yeah, well, we're we're doing we are doing a good job with that, and um, I, I would tell you the execution has been good. We've been able to keep, for the most part, our third downs in a reasonably manageable position, um, and that that helps. You know, whether it's 
you know, the first, second down calls, um, plays, you know, the guys making plays on those downs and, um, you know, and then that, that always helps you normally your percentage go up. And then I think the coach have done a nice job with, with that. Mike Kafka, EB, I mean, these guys work on that like crazy. So, um, you know, I think they've done a nice job there too. And Kafka's going to end up, he would already be the offensive coordinator if someone would hire Andy Reid or uh, if someone would, head coach. If someone would step up and give EB a job like he deserves. Like yeah. it's the next in line. You know, the Van Hagee, Doug Peterson, Eric Bieniemy. Kafka has Kevin. to be really pissed that no one's hired Eric well, Bieniemy. Right teams have now. tried. The Chiefs have given him promotions. Yeah. They've given him promotions along the way. Yes. But they've given him extra titles to be able to retain him. Yeah, like Kafka's got to be really like, dude, it's my turn. Somebody hire EB so I can become the the OC here. He was getting looks at head coach last year. He know? was by the Eagles. I remember that yeah, story Kafka last was getting, year. You know, mentioned for that stuff. You know, do you know how, and, and this is, I, I and believe this is why the And you don't have to be a coordinator, by the way. Andy Reid was no, not a you coordinator don't, no. when he was hired in Philly. But do you know how terrible the NFL would look? If Mike Kafka would have gotten a head coaching job over Eric Bieniemy, because there was, no. uh, I forgot who it was at ESPN that broke that story about the Eagles looking at Kafka. It's like, you know how terrible that would look is there if a Kafka would have gotten a job is over there a situation? Yeah, is there a situation both of them could be hired? Yeah, there is that situation. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think Bieniemy will get the head coach, and then Kafka will be the offensive coordinator yeah, I, I, year I, two. I, and I think that's the only logical conclusion you can have. But why wouldn't you want to do it? I mean, Reed calls the plays, basically. Now, the other guys have input on the plays called. He gave credit there for the Kafka and the enemy on the third down calls the Chiefs make. I, I think they all have a, a a big part in what the plan is, the game plan is, and then Andy Reed kind of chooses what he wants to call on game days. But Andy Reed does a good job of grooming players. Remember he turned. Remember a few years ago when they were 1-5? and five? Like, he even admitted he had turned over play calling at different times to Doug Peterson, right? We didn't even know that. Yeah. Until after the year. I mean, not only that, but, like, there are there are coaches in the NFL that weren't even calling plays that 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 have gotten jobs. Like, for instance, uh, the the head coach for the, the Colts, whatever that guy's name is, Siriaco, whatever his name is, that guy. Sirianni. Sirianni. Oh, yeah, who, who was with the Colts, and now he's the he's the coach of the Eagles. He wasn't calling plays. That was Frank Wright that was calling plays. So it was like, if he can get a job, and the Colts' offense last year was mediocre at best with Phillip Rivers there. If he can get a job, Eric Bingham-y sure as hell should be able to get a job. And the fact that he hasn't got one is, is a real problem, and it shows you the, the, the real issues with it. Uh, the NFL's hiring practices for coaches. Does he uh, does he uh, end up in division with the Raiders or Broncos? I don't think. Fangio I mean, if you're the survives. Broncos and you, if you're the, I mean, if you're the Broncos and you don't try your best to get Eric Bieniemy, you're doing your team and your fans a disservice because to have a guy that has worked as close with greatness as EB has you would be doing yourself a disservice, and especially the Raiders, too, because the Raiders actually have some talent on their offense. You got Ruggs, who is, who's, you hope is a Tyreek Hill and Waller, clone. I mean. You got Waller, who you hope is a Travis Kelsey clone. And Derek Carr, I think, is a good quarterback. He just needs someone to, like, coach him and develop him into a guy that could be but at I don't the know. elite He might level. be what he is. He didn't and, he might be, and you might be right. He might be what he is. But I, I still, like, I, I I liked Derek Carr coming out of Fresno State. I wanted the Chiefs to draft him if they weren't going to get Bridgewater, which they didn't even take him either. They, they took D Ford that year. But, like, I, I, I was a fan of him and Bridgewater. So 
for me, I still think that with the right coaching, he could be a much better quarterback than what he is. If you're the Raiders, you got to look at EB. That just doesn't make any sense to not look at him. Yeah, because the team in the division has won it five straight times, has had Eric Bieniemy every step of the way with Andy Reid since 2013. It's been the back-to-back Super I will say this, and I don't know what's going to happen to Urban Meyer. You don't know if he's going to survive this or not. They finally got the first field goal they've kicked all season to win a game last weekend against a bad team. But I will say this. If Urban does leave, which he could, I mean. Win, a, or if at this point it's a, a win. Yeah, win, win. It's a win. Win. To me, Jacksonville is a lot more attractive than the Raiders only because you have Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. Yeah, and you've got – I think you've got better weapons overall because, like, again, I'm not I'm not sold on rugs, but I really like the weapons they got there with Chenault. Marvin Jones Jr. has had a good year. Um, you, James Robinson is an excellent running back, and I, I know that they were really stupid for, dra- for drafting Travis Etienne, but if they convert him to, like, a slot receiver, and, and I think they could use him really well for that team. So I think they've got a lot of talent. I actually really like that the Jacksonville job much, much more than I like the Raiders job. So I agree with you. Well, I, I just think they'd be a good fit because – what you think is the whole Justin Herbert, you know, with the new head coach and Brendan Staley? Yeah. And he's got to be thinking, okay, yeah. Put the enemy with Trevor Lawrence. Like, it can still be salvaged. You let a quarterback go a couple years with the wrong coach, he could turn that quarterback sour. Like, yeah. if Brady would have ended up anywhere else than New England, might not be talking about Brady. Oh, no. No, Brady, Brady was right situation, right time. Instead I, of I commercials, he'd be selling State Farm. <laughs> not that he does State Farm, he does Subway or something, but. Regardless, <laughs> Tom Brady would be making. Tom Brady would be, a, he'd be your local agent at the strip mall. <laughs> I, I don't know what he'd do. It's like a lot of times it's where you end up, right? He'd probably be like a graduate assistant or something. You know, like you he goes back right to Michigan. Guy. You have to end up with the right guy. You have to. Yeah, he goes back to Michigan and becomes like an assistant quarterback's coach and works his way up the of the of the of the level. That to me seems like what he would do. Like, I don't even know if we realize like how lucky we were with the perfect storm because it was. Being able to kind of redshirt Mahomes behind it, Alex Smith had checked his ego in the door. A lot of quarterbacks would have done what Alex Smith did. I he would have Mahomes over for dinner. and so, A lot of quarterbacks wouldn't do that because Mahomes was drafted to take his job. And he knew that. The writing was on the wall. But the way that he handled it, <laughs> the way he handled you know, having Mahomes there and kind of showing him the ropes of the NFL, what to look for, what not to look for, and those type of things, it was like the perfect storm. And then to have the enemy here and Kafka – and Andy Reid, I mean, it was a match made in heaven for Patrick Mahomes getting drafted by the Chiefs. I mean, certainly Andy Reid, the weapons, you know, that that was sure. I, I just feel like we overrate Andy, uh, Alex Smith's impact on Mahomes. I don't like, know. I don't know. I don't think we do. Dude, like there's a lot of, there were so many people. There's so many wor- so many whispers coming out of Chiefs camp. Uh, Patrick Mahomes needs to be the starter. He's better than Alex Smith by a mile. Well, like there were so same, many people the same saying training camp that Alex Smith was here. And he, there Mahomes were, is running with the third string, and Veach and company was running back to the dorms to watch his film from the day. That's what, like that's what I'm saying is like there were people in in the Chiefs staff who were like this guy in training camp as a rookie is better than our starting quarterback. So I I just how much did he? Re- I think he learned how to be a professional. But I don't think he learned anything as far as football goes. I think he learned how to conduct himself in interviews, which, you know, you could see a little Alex in him, but he's 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 much more entertaining than Alex ever was. And and certainly like preparation with Andy Reid, how to talk to Andy, how to work with him, sure. I I 100% will will uh believe you if you said like that's his impact. I don't believe 
he learned anything as far as football, like playing football, like the on-the-field product. I disagree, though, because he kind of needed that, though, because he, he did have that kind of structure at Texas Tech. But how do we know that, like, we don't know. my thing is, how do we know that he wouldn't have been better than Alex Smith that year? Listen, man, I'm not going to lie. When it got to halftime against the Titans that year in the playoffs and when, when the Titans did win. You were like Patrick Mahomes, right? Because at that point, it's like, what do you have to lose? Because you watched him the week before, and you were like, this is better than anything Any, I've seen from Alex Smith this season. The only thing that could hurt maybe Alex Smith's trade tradeability, or, you know, because here comes Mahomes. But, again, you would have given him playoff experience kind of before he started the NFL. His only experience he had was in Denver in the regular season, the last game of the yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I said, for me, it was like in the preseason, I was like, this guy's better than Alex. Do you like, know how in tough that was? You know how tough that probably was to watch what Mahomes is doing against your scout team? Oh, yeah. Then your starting quarterback? Because it's not like he just suddenly became good and won the MVP the next year. He was already damn good. And, and you know. And by the end of the year, he might have been ready. And here's the thing. And here's the telling thing and the reason why I think the way I do. If you remember. Right before the season started, Alex Smith did an interview with ESPN or, or no, some other. No, it was Graham Bensinger. It was, it was somebody. He had a certain amount of ethics. No, I think it was Yahoo, wasn't it? No, it was, was Graham Bensinger. Some guy. And he did, he did a sit-down interview in his house and basically said, this is probably my last year in Kansas City. Like, the fact that he's, he basically admitted. But it was common I'm, sense. But that's the thing, though. But you know what? There were people that wanted to keep Alex Smith even with Mahomes here. Because Jordan Love ain't playing in Green Bay. He ain't played one snap for them as a starter in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is that much better than Jordan Love. Like, if if Alex believed that he was better than Mahomes at that point, he would not have said what he said. But the fact that he knew before the season started that this dude is better than me and he, he admitted it during an interview was telling to me of the kind of player that Mahomes was. I just think it had to have been incredibly difficult. To watch. Oh, it was. You heard from some of these ex-players like Derek Johnson and stuff like that talking about the things Mahomes was doing. You know, yeah. no look passes. He was doing that stuff to him. Yeah. He was screwing with the defense. Camp. In camp. And the defense wasn't very good. He was making them look silly. He in, really was. In camp, he was embarrassing the, the, the defense. Yes. And you know what? By that time, I'm not saying he was ready to go at the beginning of the year. We'll never know. It's a question we'll never know. It's a mystery in Kansas City. What, what would have happened if Mahomes would have started? Could have been in year. 2017. But I'll tell you this much. By the end of the year, by the time he got that playoff game, he was ready. He was ready in Denver because he had to come back in that game and he won that game for the Chiefs. Like, he was ready to be the quarterback for the Chiefs. Tyler Bray, man. Tyler Bray almost blew that game. Think, think about that. Tyler Bray came in and tried to blow that game, and then Patrick Mahomes came back in and was like, okay, okay, I'll show you guys a little bit of the magic here, and he, he won that game for us. Yeah, that, that – He had the best position ever in sports. That third-string quarterback, come yes. on, man. Oh, yeah, Tyler, Tyler Bray could have been the backup you wear the yellow year. jersey at practice, you don't get hit. He finally got hit in Denver. Like, he'd collected over $3 yes. million dollars at that point. Yeah, yeah, he had he had done it. Which would have taken people $100,000 doing it for 31 years to make that money. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> for doing nothing. <laughs> Sitting behind Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Tyler Bray had it made, man, and he was done. I don't. I think he got, like, one job, like, one team gave him a try after that, and that was it. I think, like, maybe it was the Bears, I, I mean, think. that's not Chase Daniel level as far as career income, but Chase has played more than he has. Yeah, Chase, is, Chase has been and he's stealing still going. money. Chase has been, is he still playing? The Chargers. He's with the Chargers? Man, yeah. Chase has been stealing money. Coming up next, Mike Rimmers enjoys being back and where he belongs at right tackle. He didn't like the left tackle as much. He said so today. I'll tell you that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris Inocero. 
fun debate tonight on a few topics here that are interesting. Some hypotheticals we've thrown out there. Who is the best non-quarterback the Chiefs will face this year? I'm with Derrick Henry. I think they're going to see him this weekend. I bet they'll face Derrick Henry. I'm really looking forward to this game for various reasons. I'll get him to him again in just a second. But Mike Rimmers was a starting uh, right tackle again for the Chiefs. He's been in the league for 10 years. I mean, you think about this young offensive line, Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey's a rookie. Joe Tooney's been around the block before. But, again, still a young player. We're going to have him tell uh, Mahomes in his 30s. Trey Smith, a rookie. And Lucas Niang had a little bit of a hamstring issue, but this is probably Mike Rimmer's job. And it took you a while, Mike Rimmer's, you know, coming back, and he'd gotten a- Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. hurt and coming back and in Mike Rimmers you know really played well against Washington he was asked today what was it like to get back on the field oh man I felt great getting back out there I love playing um going into year 10 and um you know it brings me a lot of joy being out there on the field with my teammates and everything like that and um yeah I was just just banged up during training camp and um you know they got a great great staff here that got me ready and um been practicing on the scout team and stuff like that um just trying to stay ready ready for the opportunity and um Happy to be back out there. And that's why he came back. I mean, he was kind of Wally Pipp there with injury to Lucas Niang. And that was the concern. We were looking like three first-year players playing for the Chiefs. Niang's not technically a rookie because he was drafted last year. But obviously, you know, first-year player with him there. And Mike Rimmers feels good. This is where his best place is on the right side. Now, he's asked to play left tackle in the Super Bowl against that ridiculous defense. Yeah. It was rough. And not only that, here's why he's on the team. What positions can you play, Mike? Yeah, everything but center. You know, you never know. You never know what what will happen during the game, during the season. Uh, so it's a long season, and and unfortunately, injuries are part of it. So you got to be ready for anything. So um, yeah, practicing whatever they tell me. Everything but center and right. And Every, left tackle. Everything but center. Yeah, center but, and left well, he tackle. could play it in a pinch. I mean, he could play it he could, in a pinch. He could not play left tackle in a pinch. Well, I mean, he, he could. Got technically, he could. Uh, yes. I mean, technically, I mean, technically he could play any position if yeah. he needed to, but like, he yeah, can't your play, play left tackle. Your playbook is rolled to the right. We almost, lost, we almost lost Mahomes because of because Mike Rimmers was playing left yeah, tackle. Yeah, that's a situation. You put the tight end over there and you max protect if that's a situation. Yeah, yeah. But he was asked about that question. Do you feel significantly better playing at right tackle than at left? Just for me, I have the most experience at right tackle, um, so it just it just comes a little more natural for me. Natural for me. Um, I, I feel comfortable with the left side. Just it just takes a little bit more work, and I have to think a little bit more. Right tackle is just you tell me what to do, and I just I just do it. I can do it, and I feel feel a lot more confident. Yeah. You know what makes a difference when you switch sides? Some guys do it naturally. Right and loads. Remember, he moved from the right to the left. I mean, yes. he moved around, but it's different disciplines because you step on the, on a different foot. You're stepping back on a different foot. Your leverage is different when you go from the right to the left. Muscle memory, yeah. In no, Orlando it's, Brown, it's very different. Yeah. You know, I was curious with Orlando Brown. Will he have a few issues? He did play some left tackle when Ronnie Stanley got hurt. They moved him from right tackle over to left, and the Chiefs liked what they saw. But there was going to be some growing pains, and I always thought so. You know, with Orlando Brown, because it's a different offense with the Chiefs and the Ravens. I mean, he was really good in Baltimore. Didn't give up, what, two pressures 
to Lamar Jackson. He was good at what he did, but it was Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley's job, which, by the way, he had surgery again. He's gone for the year. That's another one of Baltimore's injuries. So I think uh, John Harbaugh is the coach of the year to this point. But Mike Rimmers was asked about the second half and how comfortable Mahomes seemed with the offensive line. And he was asked, you know, what was different maybe with Mahomes in the second half? And he said, hey, man, the whole offense changed. I think it's not its not just him, honestly. It just felt like the whole offense. It's just everything was just kind of clicking. And, yeah, I mean, I, you could definitely feel it when it's third and whatever and you're picking up first downs and not punting. You know, that you're feeling that and you can feel the momentum shift. You can feel the defense is feeling it as well. The opponent, the, you know, the guys we're playing against, they, you know, I feel like you could kind of tell that they were like, okay, they're starting to click now. And, um, um, yeah, so we're just trying to do that every single snap now. So that, that's our goal. So, Mike, Andy Reid talked today. Patrick Mahomes talked today, as they always do on Wednesdays. Then it's a couple of various players. Obviously, Mike Rimmers is an interest for people to talk to him because he got the start. You know, Rimmers, Rimmers, then Thornhill uh, with a difference. By the way, Thornhill's uh, number one on the depth chart now. Whether you like depth charts or look at him or not, he is listed as the starter. Now, not Dan Sorensen. Obviously, uh, you saw the game last week and realized who's the starter uh, back there now. But, you know, Mike Rimmers was another one of those guys. You know, the two new starters, so to speak, from a team. I mean, this is what they could do. Because obviously, adding a Whitney Merciless, which they didn't do because he's going to the Packers, could have made a difference. But they've got to be creative of what they do and what they have at this point, unless they get wild trade deadline. But again, they're 2.8 under the cap. And they want to keep their draft picks going in the next year. So it's a little bit different than the Whitney Merciless that was hardly going to cost them any money and no draft picks. But again, Whitney Merciless chose Green Bay. And he's going to be coming here with the Packers in a couple weeks. But the 3-4 is what he likes. 3-4 outside linebacker. This year, they switched to a Tampa 2, 4-3. He had his hand you know, down on the ground instead of standing up like it. And he can go back to how he was with the Texans, except for this year with Green Bay and Kansas City, it would have been hand down on the end as defensive end. He wouldn't have been playing linebacker here. But was the uh, Darius hurt with Green Bay? He's probably got a good chance to start with that team. And I think he saw... That stuff. There are reasons why he chose Green Bay. You can still get mad at him, whatever you want to do, but I'm just saying there were reasons. And then the Chiefs are right there with the Packers. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think that he chose it because of, of playing time. I, I think he would have been rotational at best in Kansas City. And, you know, him going to Green Bay, he's going to get some starts, he's going to get some opportunities. And I think you might be right about him playing outside linebacker in Green Bay as opposed to playing as a as a defensive end. He'll be used like a defensive end, but he'll be standing yeah, up. Yeah, he'll be standing up as opposed to having to go into a three-point. Because they when switched he's defenses this year. They went to the 4-3 mm-hmm. Tampa 2 with Houston, and he wasn't really fitting into what they have. And in Kansas City, they run a defense very similar yeah. to the Houston Texans. And Green Bay can kind of go back to doing what he was doing. Turk Wharton was another guy who got 54% of the snaps last week. And again, you're probably going to see – a healthy offensive line. I know that uh, somebody was asking Andy Reid or Mahomes, one of the two, about how well it was. Obviously, it was Reid. You know, having your defensive line back, having Frank Clark playing um, with Chris Jones. They've actually played together. You go back to the nineteenth, the second game against Baltimore. They actually played seventy percent of the snaps each one of them um, in that game. So they have played together one time, not many, but they have played at least once together. But Turk Wharton also made the highlight catch. Made Sports Center top ten, right? The One catch of the on best the back. interceptions I think I was. all of us have it, ever seen. It was David Tyree. You know, not, not obviously not in the Super it was, Bowl. It was like a it was like a defensive version of the Tyree catch. It was it was really amazing. I did not I I, I seriously didn't believe it when it happened live. Well Turk Wharton uh was asked today because obviously 
you know, he'll be part of this defense, and you know, <laughs> the task will be to stop Derrick Henry. What's the mindset of stopping a guy like Derrick? I mean, uh, all eleven guys to the ball, of course, and uh, just making sure he up front, we don't let him get to the second level. Because I mean, when you watch him as he build up speed, that's when you really get dangerous at that second level. So coming in, trying to stop him at the line of scrimmage and hold him there, and uh, you know he's a good player, so good players gonna make good plays, but. That's what we're trying to do, just set the line of scrimmage up front and make sure he don't get to that second level. You can't have the fear factor, and I don't believe they do. I will say this. Like, they really need Nick Bolton in this game. Say what you want about covered skills and doesn't have it all down yet. He's the most sure tackler on this defense. It's Nick Bolton. I mean, you look at the stats every week, and you don't see a lot of the assists. You see solo tackles. Have you seen anybody bounce off Nick Bolton this year? No, not really. He's actually – he's probably been the best as far as making just sound uh, fundamental tackles, which you know we've seen a lot of guys like Neiman. If you try to arm tackle Derrick Henry, he's going to make yeah, you Yeah, Neiman and Zorazen have been very bad at tackling, so it's nice to see uh, Bolton out there actually making basic fundamental tackles. Coming up next, the perception of this game. It suddenly became much bigger with the Chiefs and the Titans than we thought at the beginning of the season. Explain that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Nate Taylor joins Cody and Gold Tuesdays at 1 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris Sinocero. Always the NFL gives you storylines, right? Perception game when you get teams match up. Like there was a lot of perceptions made after Tennessee and Buffalo played, right? Buffalo didn't hold on to that king of the hill very long, did they? Because when they beat the Chiefs, they became the king of the mountain, right? Everybody's talking about the Bills. Then they go and, well, they go thud against Tennessee. But this week in the NFL, I mean, Browns-Broncos tomorrow. Listen, well, that's going to be a terrible game. You know, I'll watch it, though. Browns, have you seen their, their injury report? It's yes, ridiculous. they have everybody out. That's going to be a terrible game. James Palmer put it out here early. The Browns are expected to be without 98.8% of their passing plus rushing yards due to injury. Leading passer, Mayfield, and their top four leading rushers out of this game. So make make, make out of this game what you will. Don't want to see the Broncos win, so, so go Cleveland Browns. Washington and Green Bay, not going to find out anything on that game. Falcons, Dolphins, who cares? Jets, Patriots, what a joke. Panthers, Giants, again, who cares? Bengals, Ravens, I'm going to put that as number two in the NFL this week. Because, you know, the Bengals off the four and two, they are on the road to Baltimore. In Baltimore, yeah, they beat the Chargers bad, but they've been in some very, very close games, including with the Detroit Lions this year. That game actually intrigues me. Yeah, I like that game. I, I like the Bengals. I don't think they're like... I think they could sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think they're a contender by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, I do, I do like that game a lot. I mean, Saints, Seahawks, Colts, Niners, Bears, Buccaneers, Texans, Cardinals, <laughs> Lions, Rams. The only storyline there is Goff going and playing. <laughs> Goff going back Goff and embarrassing himself in Los, Los yeah. Angeles. The quarterback's playing switcheroo. That's the only interesting thing there. But the Chiefs is, in my opinion, it's the, well, I mean, I don't know. You probably agree with this, Chris. It's the best game in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, I, the perception I, of this game, many storylines could be written with this game. Yeah, I mean, if if the if the Titans win, I think that's the thing that legitimizes them as a as a contending team for a potential championship. If they lose, if the Chiefs win, then all of a sudden Chiefs are back. Like I think, even though they're four and three, they'd be four and th- four and three. Excuse me. Uh, 
I still think the perception is that they're back if they beat the Titans in Nashville. So yeah, this is a this is a big game as far as storylines go for the AFC. And they're not that good of a team. No. Brian Tannehill's completing just sixty three percent of his passes. He's thrown six TDs and four picks. I mean it's yeah, AJ Brown ain't done nothing. I know this Mahomes year. has thrown picks, but he's also leads the NFL in touchdowns, right? AJ Brown ain't done nothing this year. Julio Jones ain't done nothing this year. Like it's been tough. It's AJ, been really, Br- AJ real tough Brown went in the last week with less fantasy points than Byron Pringle. Dude, I know he's like in the fifties, I think, as far as wide receiver rankings. He's not doing. Well. I just picked him up on one of my teams because I, I think he, I think he'll improve as the year goes along. But yeah, he he definitely has not had a good year this year. This team is all about Derrick Henry, hundred percent. You know Derrick Henry is the third leading receiver on this team. Actually, mm-hmm. he, he's second because um, Jeremy Nichols and A.G. Brown are tied with 17 receptions. Derrick Henry has 16. So, I mean, I guess that's a tie. So, Derrick Henry's number two, technically, in their leading rusher. Again, defense, they went up four spots, 28th to 24th. It's not a good defense. Derrick Henry <laughs> continues to be the only thing this team has at this point because Tannehill's down. But they are getting the Bills and Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. At their home stadium, they this is this is the same team that beat the Jets, lost the Jets, and that's very hard to do. Lose the Jets, they found yeah. a way to do it. Oh yeah, and, and, and I'm still shocked that happened. Here's the here's the really bad thing about that: the Bills struggled to score late against the 24th ranked defense in the league. That really looks bad for a team that was we were talking about going into the game as the best team in the AFC now because they beat the Chiefs. Now you struggle late when you need to score against the 24th ranked defense. That's a problem. That is a real big problem. And it's different. It's not like they like had turnover issues the whole game. And you know, he did, uh, what's his name? Josh Allen did throw a bad pick to, uh, to Bayard uh, early in the game, but it was just like they struggled to score when they needed to late against the 24th ranked defense, which calls into question just how good the Bills really are. I mean, you look at the Jets when the Titans played them. Tannehill throws for yeah. 296 or 298 in the touchdown. Derrick Henry ran for 157 yards. And you lose. Yet the Jets still beat him in overtime. You lost to Zach Wilson. Oh, he actually, Wilson actually had a good game. That's the game he had that was actually good. Yeah, but you still lost to Zach Wilson. But the bottom line is the perception is, because can we really say the Titans are a great team or is it all because of Derrick Henry? Like, we look at a lot of teams, obviously, with injuries to a lot of the big-name quarterbacks. Like, Baltimore, what are they going to do with that Lamar? You know, what? what is Buffalo going to do if they have to play Trubisky instead of Josh Allen? <laughs> oh, yeah, what are the have. Chiefs going to be without Henry, with, with, with Chad Henney in, in, instead of Patrick Mahomes? Everybody's screwed. Derrick Henry going down the Titans would be catastrophic for that offense as well. But a perception game, the Chiefs go out and beat the Titans, and all of a sudden they've won two straight, and people start saying... Because you look at the Chiefs' defense, they forced those three punts by the Bills in the second half, and that parlayed itself into the Washington game. They only allowed one touchdown in that game, kept Washington to 11 points under their scoring average. They only gave up 76 yards in the second half. There's some steps that can be taken, and confidence-wise, to stop a guy like Derrick Henry, who leads the NFL by 260 yards rushing. But again... How tired is he ever going to – is he ever going to get so tired of carrying that team on his back? I mean, if they don't win, yeah. He is carrying that whole team. If they don't – if they if they struggle to win playoff games, absolutely he's going to get tired of it. But, like, let's be honest here. He doesn't have a whole lot of – he don't have a whole lot of miles left on him. Like, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off. And 
So at this point now, if you're Derrick Henry, you kind of got to be feeling the pressure to hurry up and, and try and win a championship. You can't just be satisfied with losing in the, in the AFC championship game at Arrowhead. You got to be like, okay, it's a short shelf life too. We got to, we got to crap or get off the pot because I, I don't have them. I don't have them any more years left running at this level. He's been, he's, he's been running since 2016. Yeah. And he's and used all the time. Eventually, you're going to get tired. I think he's got like 900 touches the last three seasons. He had 83 seasons? just in the postseason. He yeah. threw over 300 the regular season in only 15 games. Like 900 touches the last three years. And, and I mean, he's, he showed nowhere in He's their though. offense right now. But he is the leading rusher, the second leading receiver. Yeah. yeah. I just I, and, and I will say this. The Titans, if they beat the Chiefs, will be perceived as a legitimate title contender if they beat the Chiefs. And Derrick Henry vaults to the MVP. Probably become, especially if he's the reason why, which he would have he to is. be. He's he would reason. have to be the reason why if they beat the Chiefs, because it ain't going to be Tannehill. If if he's the reason why they win, uh, he's probably going to lead the, the MVP conversation. Because at that point, he'll have done something that I don't think anybody expected, which is vault the Titans to the front of the uh, conversation for best team in the in the AFC. I mean, they'd have an argument when you look around, right? The Bills, they're. Their, their quality win, which was a quality win, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The rest of their schedule, there's not a quality win. They lost the Steelers at home. They lose the Titans. Their quality of win was in Kansas City, and the rest of their schedule, I feel, is pretty damn weak, which yeah. is going to put them up there. Now, Baltimore, we'll see. Bengals, good team. I mean, you could have said and that about struggled. the Bills, too. Like, Before the Chiefs, you could. I mean, the Bills' schedule was pretty terrible, too. Like, so. it took a last-second kick NFL record for the Ravens to beat the Lions. Yeah. And and besides like besides the Ravens beating the Chiefs and the Chargers, which actually kind of makes their schedule a little bit better than that of like the Bills or the Titans, because they went out there and they beat two teams that are going to be in that playoff conversation there. Uh, besides that, I mean, you look at their schedule too, and it ain't as hot as people think it is. The Chiefs, to me, have been probably the most battle tested of all the AFC contenders. Well, and, they're a team that knows they can do it because yeah, they have. And the other teams, have. the other teams have doubts. Like for Buffalo was winning a playoff game. For Baltimore was winning a playoff game with that group. Yeah. And they did to their credit. They did. And and like again, those teams beat the Chiefs. So uh that's except for the Titans, you know, they, that's a feather in their cap there. But there's a lot of easy wins that they've had on their schedule to kind of pad their records. And the Chiefs haven't had that. Like the the easiest game they've had is probably Philly. And even that one wasn't a gimme because Philly's got some talent too. A lot of young talent, but they still got some talent too. And it was in Philly. So uh, really, I, I think that I think you look at it and like, I, I think the perception might change big time if the Chiefs get a win here, because I think people can look at their schedule and have some perspective on it. Good stuff. Titans Chiefs this weekend. There was a big event in Kansas City today that I'm not sure you noticed that happened. We'll discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This is Mitch Holtz's Catch Me every Friday morning at 730 right here on 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Bank at Night. Chris, one of the things we did, we, we, we mentioned it, but we didn't talk about the uh, how cool it actually was. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, championship ring. I was that cool? dude? Was that cool? Because I did, dude. You know, dude. That that makes that hurt, man. Well, listen, it hurt watching that. It looked good, but here's the thing: the top comes off, it becomes a necklace, like that. I mean, 
Man, like I that, it comes get... up, but it, my, my thing is like, how would you worry about like putting that diamond base back on with the without it falling off like you didn't connected? And the other, th- I don't know if you knew this too. That's a, a problem I wish my favorite team oh, had. Do you know it has a QR code in the box? Yes, back I know. <laughs> to scan it to watch highlights. I, know, I oh, wish man. that was a problem that my Phoenix Suns had. I know, I yeah, know, you hated to see it, but man, it was that thing cool. The 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 a uh, the uh, Western Conference title defense begins tonight against the Nuggets without Jamal. Murray. They're almost getting too big to wear rings, championship rings, because everybody wants out to do yeah, the next one. They're so huge now, man. <laughs> but do where does the necklace? You just pop it off. I'd be a little bit leery. That's about the that. only way I think I would wear one. Is just I would I would wear it on my uh, I would wear it on a necklace. I don't I don't like wearing like rings on my hand or anything. So I think that's yeah, how I don't I either would do it. But can you imagine like not popping it on right and like looking down at your ring? And go, oh my god! Like you lost it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like that's I would never. I'd keep it in the case. Like how often do people actually wear their championship rings? All the time. All the time. And sometimes they, I a lot see, of the players don't. I I see it. I mean, if they like, if, if they, they like sell it on something. eBay or something. But I see it all the time, dude. Especially like the all time greats. Well, I other people that like, get them that have like, to work I'm around the team right now, more Tom the Brady do. is going to be wearing all seven of his rings all the time once he retires. He's going to wear them all the damn time. I mean, it would be worth a free beer or two. Yeah, Not I mean, you need it. But. He doesn't need it because he's Tom Brady. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't need the rings to get free beer. But the thing is, is he's absolutely going to be wearing those rings in any media appearance. When he's in the Hall of Fame, he's going to have all seven rings on his fingers because that's just what it is. No, it, uh, look, these guys wear these rings all the damn time. Listen, I see Gr- it all the time. Greg Pryor's been in studio with us before in the past. He's that 85 ring. <laughs> Comparing that to... He wears that thing everywhere too. Yeah, but to compare that to the royal, well, yeah, he wears it, it everywhere. But it's not as gaudy. I mean, it's, it's not compare as no, that yeah, to those, 2015 yeah. ring. Yeah. He difference. wears it everywhere though. But it's a big difference between those 85 rings and the 2015. Exponentially yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Dan and KCK. What's up, Dan? Hey, hey Ben, Kai, Chris, how you doing? Yeah, Hi, Dan. Celtics and Knicks, and uh, I think the Suns. Uh, uh, tell Chris, I think the Suns might surprise a lot of people this year, and uh, I still can't believe they blew the two nothing lead. You know, the Bucks deserve it. You know, so you know. But the Suns, they, they could surprise a lot of people. Way to rub it in, man. Didn't look too good last night. He had nine points with his Lakers debut. It's hard to believe. And that's going to be a terrible game tomorrow night, you think, with Case Keenum. And now they don't have Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Or the Browns running game going? Yeah, their top four rushers out and their yeah, quarterbacks out. So it's going to be interesting. I think they still could beat Denver, though. Oh, yeah, they, they can still be the Broncos. But we'll see. I mean. Uh, the Braves are up 5 nothing, And uh, don't look good for the Red Sox. So, uh, but, you know. If the Braves do it, that's fine. Oh, yeah, Bink. If Jorge Slagrum will be playing the rest of the postseason, what do you know about that? If we what, Dan? About Jorge Soler. What's his status? Do you think he'll be ready? Do you think he'll be back in for the postseason? Oh, I. you know what? I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if he's going to end up coming back or not. I mean, that's too bad, too, because that Acuna, you know, gets hurt July 10th in is I out. Know. But Soler is supposed to be unavailable uh, for just a portion of the NLCS. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I know they're planning to be without him, but we'll see what happens if they make it to the World Series. Okay, it's hard. It's we don't know yet. The Braves are doing this without Kuna too. You know, it's hard to believe that too. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. worked out. Uh, they worked out uh, without him the last time they uh, worked out last week. So we'll see where they are sitting with Soler. Okay. Dan, take care and have a good night. And thanks for rubbing it into Chris.
Dan was, really, Dan was throwing it at you, man. Dan did. Dan's not like that. What, what's what's happened to Dan? It's the new Dan. Dan's usually very nice and complimentary, new, and he just nah, he, he, he was twisted still be, the he, knife a little bit. What? He was being nice about his smack. No, he was twisting the knife, man. I'm still hurting from that. I I like you know. I was glad that it was Giannis and not like Kevin Durant or anybody, but that still hurt watching the 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 ceremony and be like, oh man, that could have been the Suns. <laughs> that hurt. It could have. Do you know what today was in Kansas City? Something that kind of used to be a bigger deal. And there's three of these teams in the preseason top ten. You know what I'm talking about? Surely you do. Something big happened today. Well, I mean, relatively. Something that you've been down to. Oh, Big 12 Media Day? Yeah. Can you believe that? I haven't been paying attention. Well, I didn't know. It's tough. I didn't know it was today. At least when, I have been there, though, yes. But at least when football media days are done, it's, you know, in the offseason, usually around the All-Star yes. break, MLB, so there's there's time to really dive in and think I about it. I heard Huggy Bear, was uh, he was talking spicy uh, a little bit earlier. I did hear about that. Huggins is always great in media days. I yeah. wonder, I, I remember Huggy what, Bear is, he is, he's great anytime you put a microphone in front of him. Yes. I, I did. He was talking spicy earlier. I remember Texas a couple years ago when the Dirty Werewolf went down there and asked him things that you can only do during media days about his favorite Halloween costume and yeah, stuff. Because yeah. you don't ask Huggy Bear that any, any other time. He'll get, he'll get pissed at you. But I mean, you know, it's fair game at uh, media days, right? They expect that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I they they it, they like to go all out for the media days. They have their they show off the brand new uniforms. They have them on those little mannequins or whatever. Isn't it kind of an indictment on college basketball in general? Yeah, yeah, like the NBA game is it's just, it's just better. It's, in my opinion, it's better. I think it's it, well, I mean it is. But I do like, enjoy the Big Twelve season when they get down to it. I do it, enjoy those games, but it's harder for me to enjoy college football the way I mean college basketball the way I used to. Because the difference between the game in college and the NBA has drifted apart so much now. And, like, they try to emulate the the pro game as much as they can. But, like, the the NBA, they're so much better now than they were in college. I mean, I just can't remember less buzz on the Big 12 yeah, media days. No, that. that's what I'm saying. It's like the biggest thing that happened was you know, Huggy Bear throwing shade at well, Texas. No, Bowlesby was talking some junk about yeah, Oklahoma, yeah, Texas, and, and Bowles, that was fun. Yeah, Bowlesby's going to do that because he's salty because it, it was their he's chance failed because the conference by not being able to keep them. And yeah. he didn't mention the Big 12 media days. So football, like, all of a sudden he got shocked by Oklahoma, Texas leaving. Yeah, I was like, come on, we knew. We we knew that they were going to try to find a way out if they could. You know, so That it, was the storyline was Bowlesby yeah. today. Yeah, Bowlesby and Huggy Bear, yeah, those guys played a part. But look, I it, it I agree with you. It was not as eventful as it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, teams like Texas and Oklahoma leave. And yeah, you know what? Uh, Ken Palm still says, even with the four teams that are coming in, you know, Houston and Cincinnati, BYU, it's still a, it's still a number one conference in America yeah. through uh, those kind of rankings. Hey, I hope, Dan, if you're listening... I'm gonna be on on Friday night. My sons are playing tonight. Yeah, give me a call, Dan. Hey, you better, you better, you better come and bring it after the the Suns smack around the Nuggets tonight, and then they beat the Lakers on Friday night. <laughs> I love it. So, Dan, make sure you call in Friday night when Uno Sarah is hosting the deal. Big thanks to Ron Cop joined us earlier on Arrowhead Pride Radio. Thanks, Chris Uno Sarah. Had a lot of fun tonight. Thought we had some uh, interesting debates. Yeah, we did. I, I enjoyed it, man. I'll be back tomorrow morning, five fifty-eight a.m. with Bob Fesco. See you guys tomorrow. 
This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.